Yes. So you may be seated. It's been a long time since I'm here, and this place looks wonderful. Oh my gosh, how, I, this is really amazing what God has done here, what you have all done, because I know it isn't just a, one person, but I'm sure each of you has had a part in what God is doing here. And that is, to me, is the most exciting, because we live in a community. We live in a body of Christ that we come together. We unite. And as we unite, things happen. They really do happen. It's, it's amazing. Let me just open up my computer that doesn't want to do what I want it to do right now. There we go. There we go. So um, the worship gave you my entire message. Just saying. I mean, it, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. The promises of God and that we win, that we win. And we need to keep that focus on that we really do win because these are difficult, difficult times. We've been living in difficult times. And many of us have gone through a lot of those times. Lots of you know some of that in my story, and I'll tell you a little bit more in that. But it really has been incredible, incredible times. And it's times that we've experienced a great deal of stress. How many of you had stress today getting to church? Oh, come on, I know what, yeah, I know what it's like. We had stress getting to church. I can't tell you how many roads were closed. It, it was just ridiculous. We come way from the East Valley, almost towards Florence area. And it's like, hello, the 60's closed? Uh, the 202's closed? The 101 is closed? I'm like, what the heck, Lord? <laughs> and we still got here in the right amount of time. See, we win. We absolutely win. But stress has never before has been attacking the churches. It's been attacking God's people. It's been attacking the world, totally. And so this, it's just for us a sign of the time. See, we have to look at the things that we're going through as this is a picture of that end time message that God is bringing for us and showing us that as never before we have to stand on his promises. That's, that's the bottom line. And yet, you know what? As Christians, we still have trials, right? We still have tribulations. We still feel things coming against us. I love that we can walk into church, have a worship service that lifts us above our circumstances and situations. And sometimes it'll carry us through another whole week until we get back here, right? Other times it's like, uh, Lord, hello. Um, you know, it was great on Sunday, but now I'm overwhelmed. I'm totally overwhelmed. And the truth is, life can be overwhelming. And it isn't just for the world. The world sometimes misses it because they don't live in the glory that we live. And so when we are overwhelmed, we're like, okay, what's going on? We begin to question the Lord. We begin to ask him, okay, is there something I'm supposed to do? Is there something I'm being called to do? Is there something I haven't done? By the way, if you don't hear from God when you're questioning him, go back to what the last thing was he told you to do. Sometimes we didn't do that. <laughs> and so we've got to go back to that last thing and go, oh, oh me, not oh he. <laughs> not oh he. So for many, many years now with this pandemic, it's been like such an attack on the entire world 
not just our state, not just the United States, but the world. And our generation, whatever part of our generation you're in, mine's a little older than yours, but no matter, which by the way, I just turned 75, but yes, three quarters of a century and I'm a happy camper. I'm in like, I, I, I can't even get over it. But when you think about it, in our generation, to see a pandemic like this, when we have so much technology, when we have so much that our world is aware of and can deal with, when, when many cancers are already healed, how did this creep up on us? How did that happen? And I don't know about you, but I'm a great one to say, why, Lord, and how? I love to know the how and the why. And part of it is because if I have the, know, the knowledge of the why and the how, then I can, I can say to the Lord, oh, uh-huh, now I know how to pray. Now I know how to pray because sometimes we don't know what the words are to even lift up other than I'm overwhelmed. Life overwhelms me. I, I just can't believe where I'm at with all of this. And I'll, I'll tell you, I had been feeling like that for quite a while myself. This season in life has been depression for people, stress, anxiety. As a therapist, a counselor, I can't tell you the amount of anxiety and depression upon people's lives. Christians, that out of the blue, they go, I don't know why my heart races. It's not a heart attack. I don't know why I feel so weird, I, and I'm sweating, and I'm feeling so, I go, oh, you're having a panic attack. They go, a what? It's absolutely anxiety, and anxiety sneaks up on people. It comes like, but I am not anxious for anything. I'm, I'm okay today, but what's been going on in your life for the past week, month, year? Those things creep up on us, and they take charge of our body. I'm telling you, if you miss out on church, I want to encourage you, don't miss out on church because you're going to come in just like today. You know, we haven't been in church this whole year. We don't, maybe three times we've been in church, but we watch three different churches every Sunday. So we're getting filled. We do it online. We watch it all because of all of the stuff that my husband has gone through. And so we don't generally get around big crowds of people. We don't. We're just starting to do that now. We're just starting. And so I am telling you, if we didn't listen to church on Sundays, it would be like we weren't ever in church. And how did you feel after this worship service today? Awesome, right? Just lifted up, encouraged, standing on the promises of God. And so I know that many of you have dealt with some of these same issues. You probably don't want to raise your hand, and that's okay. I will. And, uh, but I know that that stress and depression and anxiety sometimes comes when we're ministering to other people that are going through that. And we're feeling like we don't even know what the words are that we could bring them. But I want to tell you, just keep encouraging them and keep praying for them because just having someone to talk to and be real with and say, yeah, I'm a Christian and I don't do good every day. It's a truth. It's a truth. We are not, oh, praise the Lord, everything's great and wonderful. No, it's not true. But on the other side, in him, everything is great and wonderful. 
in him, Jesus will lift us above those things. And I'm telling you, it's amazing how he does. And so there may be a lot of depression and anxiety in the world right now. There may be people in your family going through it, addictions, marital issues, all of these things. But God, that's what we always have to stand on. But God, that he is above it all. And I love that. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 through 6 says, I think we heard this today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you the path to take. I mean, come on. That's amazing. He wants to show us what to do. And I, I got to tell you, it, when he shows you the path, you do this aha thing like, oh, of course, right, yeah. And it's like, why didn't I ever think, think about that? Because our mind is not God's mind. But when we submit our mind to the Lord, immediately he impresses upon our heart and our mind direction, hope, value, and words of encouragement, always words of encouragement. And in Isaiah 43, it says, Isaiah 43, 1 through 3 says, Do not be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine, every single one of you. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you're not going to get drowned. How many of you have found, felt at times that I'm overwhelmed and I feel like I'm drowning? I did this past year. I did. I did. And this scripture just pulled me up. It pulled me up and I said, okay, another minute. Good, good, good. I can do another day. I can do another week. I can do it. I can do it. And we have to remind ourselves, it's the word of God. We have to stand on the word of God because when we do, it lifts us above everything. So it says, when you go through deep waters, I, the Lord, will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you're not going to be drowned. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, oppression is like a fire that wants to burn us. Let's say it this way. It wants to burn out the light of God in us and distract us from the light of the Lord. Amen. And he says, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, the Savior, your Savior. And that's who he is to us. He's our Savior. So did you know that in the, in the Bible, it says, fear not 365 times? 365 times. Fear not. So that's one fear not for every day. Why did God put that in the Bible? We needed it. We need to be reminded every day. Okay, today we're not going to fear. Today we're not going to, because God said it. And if he said it, it's his word alive in you and I. It's his word alive in us. And we can stand on that word and we can believe it even in our weakest moment. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to try not to fear today. I'm going to stand on the word. I'm going to not look at the fear. I'm going to look at the face of God. Oh, I'm really not going to face the fear anymore. I'm going to look at the face of God. I'm going to stand on the face. It's like, boom, the Holy Spirit begins to move in you and lift you above that circumstance and situation. So let me tell you a little bit about our story. 
I'm kind of robbing my husband's testimony here to share with you. But you know, we're married for many, 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 many years. And so it's our story. On December 27th, last year, my husband had COVID. And he was way sick. And no matter what we did, we couldn't get his pulse ox up. And the doctor said, if his pulse ox goes down to in the 80s, get him to the hospital. And so I took it this one night. And I also had COVID. And it was in the 70s. And so my daughter, who was in her house, called an ambulance. And off to the hospital, my husband went. Through many, 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 many tests, we found out he didn't just have COVID. He had COVID pneumonia. And so with COVID pneumonia, it's very difficult to bring healing to that. But God? And I thought, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So I thought, and the strangest thing is that my granddaughter also had COVID. So she came over, left her family, and came to be with us just to help us that day. And instead, an ambulance came and took my husband to the hospital. And of course, I couldn't go because I had COVID as well. And so now my husband's being taken to the hospital. I'm like, I don't trust those people. I mean, I trust them because God can help them to be taking care of my husband. But I don't trust them, Lord. And so, so my daughter said, don't worry, Mom. I'll go. I'll be there. So she went until I was over COVID. And I mean to tell you, it was crazy making for me thinking, when am I going to be over COVID? I got to get to the hospital. I got to get there. Got to see my husband. Got to pray over him. Got to Almost like this sense and feeling that we get that we're the Savior. What is that about? Uh-huh. Sorry, Lord. Forgive me. You're the Savior, not me. But there was that belief system that if I could pray for him, if I'm there, he'll be okay, which part of that is a truth, but not to the degree that we allow the enemy to try to use us. And then the enemy comes back in and goes, see, he's not better because you're not there. And so he condemns us, totally condemns us. And so as soon as I could, I was back at that hospital, day in, day out, and I was there. And days, though, turned into weeks. Weeks turned into months. And this was a long period of time. I thought he was never going to get better. I, I prayed, and, I, kept, and the, I didn't hear God say, trust me. I never heard that. But I knew that there are times in my life that God's expectation was for me to trust him. See, that's the other part of it, that there are times that he may not give us those words, because he's worked them in us. He's worked them in us for years after years after years. And we say the same thing to everybody else. Just trust God. Trust God. And now it's like, just trust God. <laughs> right? Trust God. Get that mirror, <laughs> you know? And that's what I had to do. And I remember sitting there, and we would sit in this kind of darkened room, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm trusting you, Lord. Trusting you, Lord. I'm trusting you, Lord. And then I would think, are these doctors kidding me? Oh, wait. I'm trusting you, Lord. <laughs> right, right, right. How come we have the portal and we know what they're going to give him before they come and tell us what they're going to give him? And when are they going to? It was like the craziest thing that the responsibility kept falling back here. 
and you can't take. None of us can carry that kind of responsibility. It is impossible. It wears us down. It overwhelms us. Life can be overwhelming. So he had many, many tests, many, many um, prescriptions. I think he was on four rounds of antibiotic. It, it was just ridiculous. And he was in bed and not finally not walking now. Now, he hadn't been out of bed in all these months. He didn't get out of the hospital until around Easter. I mean, we're talking a long time. And so I thought, oh my gosh. So just before he came out of the hospital, he ends up going into a coma. And I'm like, oh no. And you could tell he wasn't there. He was not there. You'd look at him, you know, I look at him now and he's like, he looks back at me, he's there. When he was in the coma, he was not there. And so I thought, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? And, and I, I, we just kept praying over him. All of our family would show up and they would come and they would pray. Pastors from churches all over the valley would come up to the hospital. And you gotta understand, they don't let you in. They don't let you in. So if they wanted to come up to the hospital, one of us would not have been able to go with my husband. So we had to pick days, because you were only allowed two people in the room for a certain amount of hours. And so we had to pick days that one of us couldn't get up there so that a pastor could come. Why? Because just as you're lifting up, Pastor Gene, we recognize the gift and the calling upon the elders of the church. When we're sick, what do we do? We call the elders of the church. And that's our pastors and our leaders, and, our, and they come and anoint us. And I'm telling you, every time they would come and pray for him, I could see something lift off of him. It was like that spirit of death was beginning to break. The power of it, it was beginning to break. And then one day, all of a sudden, he sat up straight in bed. And he went, where am I? Am I dead? We go, no! <laughs> You're alive! And he says, he was in this dark, dark place. It was black. He couldn't even see his hand in front of him dark place. And, and he heard, he asked somebody, where am I? Where am I? And, and they said, you're in Af Afghanistan. He goes, what are you doing in Afghanistan? And the Lord immediately said to me, he's in a war. He was in a war. And Afghanistan was that word that says, oh, there's a war that's been going on there, right? And this was a long-term war that he was in. And the Lord said to him, choose light or dark and he goes I don't understand Lord I've chosen serving you you're the light of the world he goes no 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 for now choose light or dark and he said well I choose light I choose you and boom he was awake like that and so he had a word from God and he heard somebody calling his name and it was my husband's name is Howard and only a few of us call him Howie because that's what I grew up with. That's what his family grew up with. But a couple of friends call him that. And he kept saying, oh, somebody kept calling me. Howie, Howie, come on, you can do it. Howie, wake up, come on, you can do it. Two minutes later, in walks this nurse. And he goes, Howie, you're awake. I've been telling you and calling you out. This was a male nurse. Is that amazing? God will use whoever he desires to use. He will use them. The per he was not a Christian, but he called him out. 
and God used that person to bring that out. And so, of course, things still didn't, that was just the beginning, and the road was still very long. And um, he, in July, many of you have, that were at graduation saw him. That was the first time he was off of oxygen. He had been on oxygen from December to the beginning of July. And it was just crazy. And some of you could see he's a little weaker than his normal spry self. He stops chasing me around now. <laughs> and, but he's so much better. He's so much better. And I can tell you through all of this time that I waited for this to happen, I honestly must admit I was overwhelmed. And I thought it was going to be so much better when he got home, right? Well, they didn't send him home right away. They sent him to a rehab facility to teach him how to walk again. And then when he finally did come home, oh, the rehab is another whole story. I won't go into that. When he finally did come home, I was now the caregiver. And I don't know about you, but have any of you had to give care to someone for long term? Yeah. It's a different way of life. And my word for this year, and I was just, just ecstatic about my word, it was the goodness of God. And I was like, woohoo, the goodness of God, oh yeah. Oh. The goodness of God leads to repentance. I'm going to be repenting all year. What the heck? I don't, I don't get it, Lord. And I want to tell you, as a caregiver, your attitude matters. And so I was forever repenting for my attitude. And I'm going, honey, honey, this isn't you. It's just me. I'm, I'm kind of having, you know, cabin fever. It's not, no, it's not you. Oh, could you get me another thing? Could you just get, I sit down. Could you get me? I, I go, okay. Is there anything else you need? And the Lord goes, the goodness of God. And I go, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I never knew I had that attitude. I never knew that was in my flesh. But God knew. God knew when he gave me that word. And I stood on it. And I'm telling you, I have really, I'm not kidding. I've been repenting a lot, right? Constantly say, sorry, sorry, sorry. Not only to him, but in, to a lot of people. Because you lose yourself in giving care to others and you become snippy, you know? And you don't become a nice person. And you go, I, I don't want to be like this. I'm the kind of person that I see the glass half full, never half empty. And so I kept thinking, why am I feeling like the glass is half empty? That's the lie from the pit of hell. It was that sense of being overwhelmed, overwhelmed. I'm a woman of great faith. I'm telling you, when things go wrong in my family, they go, call Grammy. Call, they will all say that. I want to go to Grammy and Grampy because they're going to pray for us. And it is really true. We are people of faith. We believe that God's going to move mountains. But we also realize that although healing is from the Lord and it's a gift of God, healing could be on this side of heaven or the other. I wasn't ready for the other. I wanted my husband healed here. And that was what I would have to admit, my greatest fear. My greatest fear. And again, the Lord tells us, fear not, 365 times. And I thought, okay, I have to just keep saying that. I'm going to stand on that. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to have faith. 
even though I feel this sense of being so overwhelmed, just so overwhelmed with it. I never lost trust in God. I lost trust in me. See, just as much as I thought it was up to me for things to happen, then after, and I thought, oh, I can make it happen, then I had to realize I can't trust me. I have been trusting me more than trusting God. And there was another level of repentance. Lord, I really put me before you in so many different ways. I'm telling you, if you're in any kind of circumstance right now that feels different for you, overwhelming for you, it's because God's going to use it to reveal the hidden things in your life, the character flaws, because he wants the character in us to be his character built in us. He wants us to be able to shine his light. That's the bottom line. So all of this had so many ramifications for our life. It was like craziness, things I never thought of before, never, never ever I guess I could call them now concerns, but they really were fears. They were really fears. And they led to such concerns and fears. Reality, how's my family going to deal with all these months of not seeing their dad? How are they going to deal with not seeing their grandfather? How are they going to deal with not seeing their great-granddad? One day, because we couldn't go to the respite care where he was in the rehab, we had to go stand outside his bedroom window in a parking lot grandkids, great-grandkids, sons, daughters, watching him through a glass. And the poor guy was like, nobody can come in here and even just touch me? You, you know that the touch, an arm on your shoulder, is a word of encouragement. That feeling of connection is healing. It's healing. He wasn't, he wasn't able to have any of that during that time. And it just was life overwhelming, life overwhelming. And it seems like it wasn't going to change. And I remember thinking, something's got to give here. Something's got to give here. And this was the scripture that kept coming to my mind, Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And I said, Lord, you promised me that he was going to be well, that we would do our retirement time together, that we would be itinerant ministers, that we would travel together, that we would minister together. This is that. This is that. And he's sick. So I'm standing on this promise now because I am not allowing hope to make my heart sick anymore. Anymore. And I remember thinking, I've got to get him out of that place. How am I going to do it? Somebody gave me a name from hospice of all things. And that per I said to them, is there any way we can get him out of there? All they want him in there for is money, unfortunately, money. And I said, I want to get him out. She goes, I can get him out in two hours. I said, can you come now? Two hours later, this man was home. I was like, oh, my gosh. How did you do that, Lord? That is amazing, amazing. And he came home with a wheelchair, a walker. Um, I mean, it was just crazy. A, a huge oxygen machine. I don't know if you've ever seen one of these big machines. They stand this tall and has a cannula that you're attached to through the entire house. This poor man was walking around with a, with a tail all the time. It was like, he goes, I hate this thing. I go, I know, I know. But you got to love it because it's helping you breathe, you know. And he, wa and he 
follow through. People started coming to our house in and out, home health care workers, PT, all of that, until he would get better and better. And it's like, oh my gosh. And I know that this was a turning point for, you, for me. And many of you can share your own stories of how these past year, two years have been because we all have a story about these past two years. There's something that you've all had. But I'm telling you, there's still going to be issues to deal with because God wants to show you that although life might be overwhelming, that he is the life that lives within us and it brings forth. And he can lift that off of us. And so I know that my life and the entire thing that he's doing in me was because he wanted me to see that this pandemic was not going to have the power over us. It was not going to do that. Um, so that sickness, the hopelessness, the fear, and the grace of God that brought my family closer, I could never have thought would have been any better than it is or has been. So the Lord reminded me of my scripture. Right here, I had my very first tattoo with my granddaughter, who I speak this scripture to from the day she was born. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They have plans for good and not harm, to give you a hope and a future. And during this time that he came home, I went and got it tattooed on my arm, and she got it tattooed on hers. We have matching ones. And I stood on that. And it says this in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, in those days, when you pray, I will listen. See, oftentimes we quote a scripture, but we don't quote the whole context of the scripture. So he says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They have plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, that means you've got to take time. That means you sit down with the Lord. I can say hi, or I can say, so, how's things going? How have things been with you and your wife and the baby and your son? And Different, right? This is a whole different way of communicating. We communicate differently with different people, and we do the same thing with God wholeheartedly says connect wholeheartedly says look upon him spend that time with him and he says and i if you look for me wholeheartedly you will find me i will be found by you says the lord and here's that the last sentence of this scripture is crazy i will end your captivity and restore your fortune and I thought, oh my gosh, did we realize we've been in captivity? Oh my gosh, I never used the word. But it became alive to me that said, I've been in the devil's lair. He's been holding us prisoners. We've been in captivity. And there has been many scriptures that speak about captivity in the word that says that God will release us from that cap captivity. There's usually a requirement and a promise. And so our requirement is seeking the Lord. His promise is, I will. Because every shall and will is a promise of God. If he says, I shall do this for you, count on it. If he says, I will do this for you, count on it. He will. But it didn't happen quickly. No, but he promised it 
So therefore, he will. And it's a matter of can we hold out. And I don't know about you, but the enemy loves to weaken us. He loves to put doubt. He loves to keep us overwhelmed. He loves us to be thinking about him more than God. And we don't even realize we're thinking about him. In our own doubt and fear, we're really focusing on the enemy and not focusing on God. And that's what has to change. So I believe that life can be overwhelming, but I also believe that this is a new season we're entering into. We are coming into the season that worship took place today. We are in this season, the season of coming out of the valley of death. The valley of death, as never before, what did the enemy want to do? He wanted to divide and conquer the church. He didn't want us to be able to connect with one another because where two or more are gathered, he's there. So in a, in a group like this, he's here. And what were we, we were told, oh, you can't, you know, you can't gather. Oh, yeah, you can't sit near each other. Oh, no, don't breathe on each other, wear a mask. And you know how hard it is to see a, a person's expression with a mask on? It just, it just isn't the same. It isn't the same. So he divided. Because if the house is divided, it will not stand. But the enemy is being duped. He is being duped. So instead of us being overwhelmed, death is, the death is now of hopes, dreams, despair, family issues, depression, anxiety. And in Ezekiel, I want you to open your Bibles. And I want you to turn with me to Ezekiel 39. Sorry, 37. This is the most important part of everything that I'm telling you today. And I am telling you that many of you know this scripture. It's the Valley of Dry Bones. Many of you know this. But I'm telling you that the enemy wanted to rob the very breath of life. If you look at COVID-19, what did it do? It took away the breath of life, didn't it? People were on, intubated. They couldn't breathe on. He was on a special ECMO thing that heated up his oxygen. It, it, he wasn't just breathing through a cannula. It was breathing 70% for him when he was in the coma because he couldn't breathe. So what is that? When God formed Adam, when he formed him, when he created him, then he breathed the breath of life into him. Correct? And what has the enemy been trying to do? Rob the breath of life. That's what the enemy's trying to do. Take away our ability to breathe, to live. But that didn't come from the enemy. It came from God. He gave us the breath of life way back in the beginning. And so in Ezekiel 37, it says this, verse 1, the hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones. Maybe some of you have been in a valley. Maybe you could look at this valley and maybe you don't see that it's bones, but it's your circumstances. It's your situation. It's, I don't know. They're just piling up. Everything I look at, wondering where the Lord is or when he will meet you and answer your prayers. Maybe it's a valley of loss. Loss can be really painful. It can be really painful. There's a loss that we're facing in our relationship because he's not the way he was before yet. 
better, much better. I mean, to tell you, he takes the garbage out now. <laughs> He'll answer the phone now. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. He'll answer the door. He'll go in the car with me to the store. I mean, these are things he could not do. And we look at that as wins. Those are the wins. We win. We win. We win. And so think and think about that. What are those things that you feel like you are not winning in? What are those things that you feel like, I have to come to church so I can be reminded, I win, I win, I win. You can come out to church. Those that are live streaming, if you can't get out to church, make sure you turn it on because you're going to find out you win. You win. You win. And it's church and the people and the worship will build you up. Ezekiel 37, verse 2. So then he led me, the Lord, back and forth among them. Can you imagine how many bones must be there if the Lord led them back and forth? We don't realize the things that pull us down. We don't realize those things are so difficult for us, but he did. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. You know, we live in Arizona. It's a desert. It's dry. But there are times that we feel a dryness in the spirit. And we feel like, oh, my gosh, where are you, Lord? This is a dry place. I'm alone. Uh, I'm sitting here with people, but I'm alone. And loneliness is the kind of thing that you can be in this group and you can feel the loneliness because you're dry and you need to be a well-watered garden. God promises us that we will be a well-watered garden. Send the rain, Lord. Send the rain, Lord. And so it feels like you're so dry and that you're not hearing from the Lord, like you don't feel his presence because your circumstances distract you from his presence. And it's more than you can bear. I want to tell you today that if you are dealing with some of these things, do not let shame attack you. Tell somebody, because shame is not real guilt. It isn't something that we do. Shame says, oh, you're so bad. Shame says, oh, you're never going to change. Shame says, that's a lie. That's a lie. Your identity is in Christ. It is in Christ. And if you had something to be guilty about, different thing. I can repent, right? I do it every day, you know. So you can repent. And repentance is not flippant. It's like, oh, me. Oh, me. I can move on from here. Show me how to change from this. And so he doesn't want you to have to bear this alone. Verse 3 says, he asked me, son of man, woman of man, he asked me, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, only you can know. Only you can know. Only you alone know. Only you alone know. And I thought to myself, was that a rhetorical question, Lord? You know, are you asking me that? But you don't really want me to answer that, you know? And so I thought, well, Lord, are you kidding me? I don't know. And it was like that moment that came to me that said, right, right. You don't know, but I, the Lord, know. I know the possibilities. And so I thought, oh, my gosh, in Ezekiel 37.4, it said, this is the best part, guys. This is the best part. Ezekiel 34, 
37.4 says, Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. It's like, get a mirror. Your dry bones must live. Get a prophesy to yourself. You don't need to just go to somebody else to prophesy for you. You need to prophesy to yourself. Can these bones live? Yes, yes, they can. And you can stand for that and you can believe for that. And you need to speak that over yourself. He has given you the authority. He has given you the power to prophesy prophesy whatever it is that is your situation prophesy over it and say I give that to you Lord it is not mine anymore I'm surrendering that I'm turning it over to you I am no longer living in despair I am no longer living in death I'm living in life life and life more abundantly and so then he says prophesy and I thought oh my gosh The sovereign Lord said to these bones that I will make them live. I will make them live. And I was thinking, I can't do that. And now that I had the recognition that it wasn't all up to me, but it was God's will speaking his word to me, I could say, these bones shall live. Your bones shall live. Your dry places are going to become well-watered gardens. Your doubt and overwhelmed senses are going to be alleviated, lifted off of you because the word of the Lord says, prophesy to that, prophesy to that, prophesy to that, and do not live in that overwhelmed sense any longer, but instead you're going to have victory. 1 Corinthians 15.55 says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Amen. Where is it? The power of God is above it. And and Ezekiel uh, 37.14 says, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land, and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have declared it. No matter what you're going through today, no matter what doubts you might have, no matter what feelings of being overwhelmed, no matter what financial difficulties you have, no matter what, God is greater. God is greater. We win. We win. We win. Stand on that. Don't allow the lie of the enemy to re- to drag you down. It ha- The enemy had a playground at times for me until I... When I heard that scripture, I thought, oh, no, I am not going to be dry anymore. No more. And I'm telling you, God is making you a well-watered garden, a well-watered garden. So, Lord, I prophesy to this church. I prophesy to each and every one of them here. I prophesy that they will live that their finances are going to multiply, that their sicknesses will be well. I prophesy that no longer will they feel that sense of being overwhelmed. Sickness, despair, anxiety, depression, go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I speak health and wholeness, the power of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Bless you. Bless you. Woo!
Thank you, Lord.